0: Welcome back to Following Note on a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode one hundred and thirty-six, and we are discussing chapters four through six of The Final Empire. Paul, how are you? Oh, so good.
1: Excited to dive back in.
0: Elliot. The the
2: exact same. I feel like I'm at the start of a brand new adventure, which That's exactly what we are, right? I guess
1: yeah. diving in. Very, very apt.
0: We didn't talk about it in our intro last week, but Paul, is there anyone on our Patreon mug?
1: There is, there is. I'm excited to announce, and I think it is uh, kind of ironic that we're starting Mistborn, uh, because we had our highest tier, uh, we had a patron of our highest tier, which is... A Night Radiant, am I right? Yes, Bear was the second highest of the Night Radiant, and so we want to say a big thank you to Grant uh, Grant actually um, helped support us and it was like right after our break started, so I felt kind of bad that we didn't get to shout you out earlier but we appreciate the support um, and, and are super super grateful and, and we were excited uh, for sure to have uh, our first Night Radiant yeah yeah. Just incredibly thankful for that. I do think it's funny because if you came into this and you just are getting started and you're just reading Mistborn, you would see those those uh patron levels and be like, What? What's a shard? Yeah. I didn't I haven't found that part of the book yet, you know. But special thank you to you, Grant. Yes. Thank you, Grant. Thank you,
0: Grant. Do you have two words, Paul?
1: I do, and I always try to come up with something fun and witty. This week, I didn't. I didn't have anything (laughs) super, super witty. I have planning and recruiting. Those are my two words.
2: Elliot? There are definitely some of those two words going on. Yes. My two words are knotted
0: and gnarled. All right. Ooh. Ooh. Let's use these four words and talk about Mistborn. All right, Elliot, go ahead and talk to me about your two words. Yep. Mine's super
2: simple. Knotted and gnarled both come from one single sentence that I, that I want to actually read. Because we talked about this last episode, and, and I, I wonder if we're going to keep revisiting this maybe as we go. This sentence that I read in chapter four is, I think, by far the most visually descriptive sentence I've read from Brandon Sanderson yet. Okay, And I just had to read it because it was one of those things where, I think it's actually two sentences, where you you read the description and you instantly have a crystal clear picture in your head of what is being described. Let me read it for you. His face was far more distinctive than his clothing. It was knotted and gnarled like a twisted piece of wood, and his eyes shone with a level of disapproving dissatisfaction only the elderly display. And it's a description of clubs, yep. one of the members of our crew here. But man, I read that, that line. I was like, oh, bam, I can see exactly... What that person looks
0: like and he is scowling at me and it's great yeah i agree I, I guess that phrase didn't jump out to me that much like it did to you but as soon as you started reading i knew what you were referencing so paul your two words
1: my two words are for, i mean they're they're pretty self-explanatory mm-hmm. in these chapters a plan starts to unfold what our characters are wanting to do they're wanting to overthrow the empire um, as a no, little ragtag cool. group. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and, and so, of course, with any good idea needs to be some good planning. So that's what they're working through. And, and it seems like we kind of come back to that where there's some planning going on, then things happen, and then they come back, and we're planning and recruiting members as well. Uh, People like clubs, like uh, Ham. We'll, we'll get to learn a lot of characters. So we'll talk about them at at different points, I'm sure. So I love this dynamic, uh, as, as as an aside, of, like, so we've learned that there are Mistings, which can use one of the Allomantic powers, and that there are Mistborn that can use all the Allomantic powers. But Mistborn, essentially, just forget about it. Like, they don't exist. They're super, super rare, you know. But I, I love the concept that there are Mistings out there, but in that they all have, like, a unique role that they get to play almost like an orchestra kind of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. there's each of the unique roles. Um, and like you mentioned clubs being a smoker, his role, he gets to kind of keep the crew from being detected from others with elementic powers. And, and I just love that concept in general. If everyone has like a unique power that they get to like really combine together and mesh together to, to, uh, yeah, to create a team.
0: I also really liked the visual description of Clubs. It's kind of overwhelming in these first couple chapters. He introduces like six characters right after he's introduced our first four. Like we get Vin and Kelsier and then Vin's boss, but Vin's boss is quickly removed from the picture. And then we kind of get Dachshund in the first couple chapters and then, just as you're getting to understand what's exactly happening with those three, then he shoves like four more, five more right in your face. And when I first listened to this, all of all of the crew went right over my head, especially to start. Like before, I really understood who we were talking about and what they looked like and what they could do and all that fun stuff. <clears throat> so, I would like to present to you, gentlemen in your Discord, there is a link. To The Official Kelsier Crew and Affiliates Tracking Chart for Dummies and Enthusiasts. Feel free to open this and help me, uh, and help me keep these in order. I will show you all for our YouTube viewers. This is a brief synopsis of what it looks like. I have each character as they are introduced, and then what we get to know about them in which chapter we get to know about them. This is for me specifically. I might update you as we go, if you'd like, but this is my spreadsheet on who is who and who does what, and I'm proud of it. What do you guys think?
1: And that's actually a really good approach to this, because you're right, you are dropped in. It is also nice having like at least a, a, a picture on here to, to kind of know who who we're talking about, who we're dealing with. Cause I haven't really pictured a lot of these people f- super fleshed out. So yeah, really cool. Yeah. I like it.
0: Feel free to reference I... this with for you. ever need to figure out who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I I will do
2: exactly that. I am, I am proud of you, Trevor, for your, your spreadsheet usage yeah, here. I don't Thank know you. if you're a, I, I feel like I I might've corrupted you to the ways <laughs> of, of the, the engineer of spreadsheets and, Getting you to use spreadsheets for for daily tasks. Well done.
0: Well done. Thank you. So the first one who walks through the door is Breeze and Ham. They walk walk in together. And Ham is introduced as a soldier. And Breeze is introduced as like a heavier set nobleman guy. What did you guys think of these first two?
2: Breeze definitely has some questionable morals. Although That might be a statement you could probably apply to just about everyone in the room at this point. So maybe that's not super distinctive. But Breeze is entertaining, but also clearly willing to use everyone around him for his own purposes. And Cam is like his buddy who kind of keeps him in check sort of thing. At least that's what it feels like. They seem like a duo. They're like the the
1: buddy cop show. Yeah, I I almost thought of Breeze as like a, a wit junior. <laughs> um, okay. I guess yeah. I don't know if I can make that connection. <laughs> just thought, you know, uh, just the the witty character, who who wisecracks at everything, who um, makes jokes and and all sorts of stuff. Very, I guess, charismatic, and all sorts of things like that. More of a people person, an extrovert. Ham is kind of like this in my head, like the. Not necessarily quiet, but more simple. Just a simple man, puts in a hard day's work. That's just always how I've kind of pictured him. Um, Just wants to punch people, you know. Yeah, a little reliable, tell me who did it. I'll go deal with them kind of person, you know.
0: Let's go through each of them and talk about their magic powers, because that's kind of how we're introduced in Chapter 4. And then later in Chapter 6, they talk about the plan. So we'll come back to the plan here in a second. Let's talk about characters specifically. What is Dachshund? I didn't actually write it down on my uh on my spreadsheet. Is, is, he's a misting, right? What is what's he, his power?
2: I didn't think he, he? was a
0: misting. Is he or not? Or at least
2: I, from Vince's perspective, I didn't think he was.
0: He may not I be. I didn't write it down.
1: I don't my guess just I remember I remember thinking a similar thing. And just assuming he was a coin shot, because I didn't hear of anyone else who was. Okay. But I don't actually know if we have one, those at all. Because so, there's a I'm moment
0: sure. where...
2: There's a moment where Kelsey is, like, standing on the the edge of the building. He's about to go off and wreak havoc in the other place. Yeah. And Dachshund, I think, is with him, and is, like, you know, trying to urge him, like, oh, you need to step back from the ledge, man. You're going to fall over. And... and Helsio has this thought. He's like, man, he still doesn't see me as a misborn." Right. And I kind of took that as, you know, implying that, well, because he's not, he's not a magic user. So he doesn't fully understand the whole alomancy thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. That that might be true. We might be completely wrong and it might have told us in chapter four or something or chapter two, but um, we'll, we'll correct the spreadsheet at a later date. Um, Breeze and Ham. They walk in, and they both of them have specific powers and specific roles, which are. So I can
2: reference my my own cheat sheet I've been working on here. Breathe is Breeze is our soother, which yep. gives him the ability to. And help me get this right because I was actually a little bit confused on this. I think my second read through cleared me up on this. He's a soother, who burns. Popper had to kind of make a couple jumps there to put that one in. Maybe I'm wrong. You're right. Can push emotions. Yes. Which results in kind of the suppression of stronger emotions and results in kind of a more relaxed, trusting person.
0: Yes. So as far as I understand it, there's as a misting, you can do either push or pull. And Vin accuses him of pulling, not knowing the actual term. She's like, you just pulled on my emotions. That was not nice. And he says, well, actually, technically I pushed on them. I don't know how to pull on them. Um, so, he, yes, he's a copper pusher. And that means he's a soother and can soothe emotions and make you more friendly, more
1: open yeah open yeah. open to Compliant, him specifically willing, yeah, yeah willing to willing to yeah
0: manipulate much manipulate much. emotions in the positive sense generally um and then that would imply that there's a polar that can make you mad
1: yeah
0: <laughs> which is i i think that's the the luck that vin has been using all her whole life was was the soothing Right. Um and she just yeah. didn't know it by that name.
1: I
2: think so. That was that was my conclusion too. And by by putting together bits and pieces strung out through these chapters, it seemed to imply that the opposite, yeah, is is pulling emotions, which is kind of maybe the the flaring up of maybe stronger emotions, like anger or surprise or something like that. And it seemed like zinc was the metal of choice for that one. Okay. I did not pick up on like a, a name of the user for that one. So that's a, that's a hole in my notes. Okay. What about ham? So ham, this one was spelled out pretty clearly for us. He's referred to as a thug capitalized. So I'm assuming that's like a, a term, right? A thug. And he burns pewter to gain additional physical strength, which we also see Kelsier do a lot of later
0: on. He breaks open the safe with his his pewter. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's all pretty straightforward. What about clubs and? Ye- oh, Eden doesn't have a power. Um, what about clubs? Clubs is they talk about this a lot. They they say that he's the smoker, and
2: that they're a little vague on this. I'm actually quite curious about what his powers are actually going to be. But the description we keep getting is he's going to be able to shield them from inquisitors. And so when the, the, the magic police come around, the smoker is somehow going to be able to put up a smoke screen, I guess.
1: Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. I We'd, we'd made a comment before about Breeze using copper. I, I thought that was actually Club's thing. Am I wrong? I guess there's the term of like the copper cloud. I thought that was a smoker thing. Ooh. I have that a could be... With that?
2: No, no, no. You could be right. So my, the, the, the bit of information that I jumped to to conclude that copper was the source for the soother was a statement that Clubs made. He made something along the lines of, like, I can't trust a soother, and then he somehow referenced copper in the same sentence. And so I attached copper to the soother, but he could have been referencing it to himself, okay. which might be the case.
0: So now I'm gonna to have to put some question
2: marks in my notes here.
0: I think I think you're you are right,
1: Paul. I didn't I don't know this well enough to catch it. Um I don't remember what the others other than uh pewter and the and, and ham is like pretty straightforward. The rest I don't remember the metals exactly, other than like you hear Tenai um and stuff like that, but yeah.
0: What, what is pewter? I've never even heard of pewter until
1: before Mistborn. It's a metal, Trevor. Come on.
2: So so this touches on one of the other, This is actually the thing I referenced last episode that I wanted to specifically ask you guys about. One of my my columns in my spreadsheet here that I'm trying to unravel the the different abilities of these magics is we're given eight basic metals, basic allomantic metals. Tin, zinc... Iron, steel, pewter, copper, bronze, brass. What immediately kind of threw me for a loop? Four of those metals you can find on the periodic table of elements. They are, they are, they are elements. They are yeah. pure. You, you can have a bar of nothing but copper. It's just pure copper. Tin, zinc, iron, copper. Those are your four that are. You can find them on the periodic table. They can be pure. The other four, steel, pewter, bronze, and brass are all alloys. There's a kind of base metal with other elements mixed in to create a new metal. So like steel is just iron with carbon mixed into it. And so I'm very curious about the science behind all of this because in my mind, I immediately now want steel and iron to be similar in magic power because steel is really just iron with other stuff right just like bronze and brass are just copper with other stuff and so i'm immediately looking for some of those links of like is it important which ones are the the pure elements versus which ones are alloys with other materials am i even barking up the wrong tree with my earth periodic table of elements and this is a whole nother world and i'm should not make those assumptions i these are the questions i'm asking gotcha.
1: no i i i agree with you there elliot because i didn't think about it too much which i think is a good testament to i just well i guess like our podcast in general um uh, of like I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. These eight different metals, and then Elliot is like, wait, <laughs> only some of those are natural elements. Some of those are alloys. And That's a great point. And I looked it up, and pewter is per- roughly about eighty-five to ninety-five percent tin, and then the remaining amounts is like some copper and other th- other stuff, you know. Okay. And so, like, at least for the context of this story, that makes no sense to me of how that would work. But I'm just gonna be like, in this in schedule, these are all natural elements, <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I don't know exactly. But
0: yeah, I wonder if it's spelled out for us later, or if that's just a there's no real difference between alloys and pure uh, pure elements.
2: And it it immediately brings up other questions for me as well because I'm realizing if if our magic on this world revolves around metals. Obviously, mining and metallurgy are going to be important. Like, potentially really important. If you control all the mines or you control all the metallurgy, you're going to be able to control the flow of resource in order to do the magic. Right. And so, maybe this doesn't even come into play until later on, but, like, if you want to stop all the magic users of copper, well, just go... Control all the copper mines and all the copper you know steel or copper foundries or or whatever there are. but then there's other questions too of like, okay, copper's pretty straightforward. it's an element it's it's pure copper. bronze and brass are alloys of copper that you can mix in a kind of infinite amount of different you know added substances. and right. so like, are there certain parameters that the bronze has to be within in order for the alomancer of that type to be able to use his powers. Like if I go and mess with his, his bronze, is he going to still be able to do his, you know, magic that he needs his bronze for, or like, yeah, there's a lot of steps here that could really mess with this. And I don't know if I'm way overthinking this and I just need to stop and accept that. Oh yeah, it's, it's bronze and it's brass. It's fine. Or (laughs) is this going to become like crucially important in book seven and, one of the characters is going to realize that they can, you know, mess with the alloys and I don't know.
1: One thing I do want to say, Elliot, is I, I hadn't thought about it, but you have a really good point about the, like, just take control of the minds, right? Like yep. that's going to be like the biggest like central power thing. Um, whereas like mistings are still uncommon. Like they're much more common than Mistborn. And like, mm-hmm. if you want like a powerful, I guess, military or whatever, like you you need to have or like a, a it's more of like a royal guard, not like you wouldn't. I don't think you'd have like a military of mistings or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for your like royal guard, you like don't. The, the, it's basically like plentiful. Like I don't think you could cut off that amount mm-hmm. of resources because they're like pretty common. It's not like that hard to go out and get iron or things like that. Uh, however there is the exception of what what metal are they looking for with this whole overthrow like overthrowing the empire what there's we we learn of a new uh, atm a new metal yes atm uh which is really like hard to get a hold of i guess and like if you could figure that out then yeah you'd be you know, really, really wealthy at a minimum. You
0: know? I they they almost introduce ATM as like a currency. Like mm-hmm. that's that's how like gold, for example. Like yeah, they okay. almost introduce it like as a banknote where like lords and houses will trade ATM for like as a cash bar instead of like the actual power behind the ATM. So there's I I don't yep. know what ATM does, but it for the common person, it's almost more like money than it is a, a power. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I I really hope I'm not the only person who just had this epiphany. <laughs> I I just put together the definition of alomancer. It is the combination of the word alloy. And necromancer, meaning magic, metal, wizard. That is the literal definition of I I never put that together, that we are talking about metal alloys (laughs) and magic, and they are called allomancers.
1: You know, a lot of times, Trevor, I'm able to have a lot of sympathy for you and be like, oh, I totally (laughs) did not see that. Uh... This time I have to be transparent. I think I caught that. Pretty pretty, uh, right away. <laughs> oh, man. That's embarrassing, sir.
0: I I never even considered that alomancer would have, like, a normal definition to it. That's just like, oh, that's just what they're called, Allomancers. Got
1: it. Wow, how clever. Yeah, like... come up with a cool name like that,
0: yeah. Oh, man. Please, please, someone in the comments say that I just gave you the epiphany as well. Please, <laughs> I cannot be the only one. All right, um, the last one. Expert, by the way. Are yeah, those, like, that, was... that was That was I. almost just didn't mention it at all, and just like, yeah, I knew that. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. but I, I had to for the content. Um, our last one, who the last one who's introduced in this couple chapters, who's not really part of the group. He's like his own thing, which we'll talk about here in a second. He, he is at these meetings his name is Yedin. and he's introduced as the leader of the ska rebellion and he has paid our group of um our, our group of six people here to five i don't know if he included vin um to summon him a ska army that is their goal or that's their immediate goal is to supply Yeadon with a Ska army to overthrow the the town, which we're getting into Chapter 6 at that point, but uh, to, to take control of Luthadel. That's their immediate goal. Um, so he ha- kind of has his own thing going on. He's just attending the meetings because the Kelsier and Yeadon's goals align at this particular point in time. What just you guys think of him?
2: Not a whole lot, to be honest. He seemed like the least interesting of the entire group by a significant margin. He, I guess, maybe the most interesting thing about him is he seems he claims to be the leader of the Ska Rebellion, who's been doing this for a very long time. is very passionate about his cause, and he seems to be one of the the less competent people in the room. Yeah, and maybe that's just the fact that all the other people in this room are like experts at their craft, and Eden is just the that the guy that stood up and said yep I'll I'll lead this thing but he he doesn't seem to have a great idea of what he's doing which does make me a little nervous if the end product of all this is handing control of the entire empire to this guy I don't know I don't have a lot of confidence in him right now
1: that's fair. It is still really early on, but I can also, I, I agree with that. I didn't realize who this was for a long time. I didn't even realize he was like a leader. I just thought it was some, some dude who just kind of strolled in. Right. Uh, which, is,
0: which is why I made my spreadsheet, to so keep track of all these random dudes that just walk I, in.
1: I appreciate <laughs> that. There's a lot of random people who show up. Yeah. Because
0: you know. I remember the first time I read this, I was like, I do not care who that is. I do not care who that is. Moving on. I
1: will say, though, one of my favorite things about, uh, honestly, just, I was going to say Brandon Sanderson's writings, but this is true for a lot of fantasy. Just movies, shows, books, whatever. There's, like, you're introduced to a character that's kind of the, like, not an underdog, just not a significant presence at all. And then over time, they really, really, really get built up. Uh, there are definite examples in Stormlight, which I'm not going to talk about right now, but, um, but that is one of my favorite elements. I think it's so awesome to see the development of someone who's like a lesser character or maybe like hardly on the scene, and like really get them fleshed out and really like see way more. So that always gives me hope with characters like this.
0: So chapter four, basically the entire chapter is we get a little bit of overthrow the final empire is introduced as an idea um but it's not really till chapter six that they really talk about it there's a couple terms that i don't want to skip over um that are mentioned and that's it in chapter four we get mist wraiths which i think was referenced like once in the prologue and then a couple times like that there's just whispers of spooky creatures in the mists like you don't go outside at night once the mist falls, like, you know, once the sun goes down, then a bunch of mist falls or something like that. And you don't go out in the mist because there's mist wraiths out there. Um, We get Atium dropped as a name, which apparently there's a big bank of Atium in Kredic uh, Shaw, the, the big castle in the middle of Luthadel. Um, we get the 11th medal mentioned. um, And then, which... They have it, don't they? They Don't they have like a little tiny ingot?
1: Kelsir has an ingot of the 11th yeah. metal.
0: And then, um, Elliot, you found which, a couple of the other ones?
1: Which, as an aside right quick, I'm so sorry. I think it's really funny and so contrary to other stuff that we've read recently of like, ooh, 11th medal. It's like chapter five or four or whatever. And then the next chapter, Kelsir's like, I've got it right here. Like, yeah. You know, like I expected it to be a big mystery. Anyways, and
2: the eleventh medal, they they say specifically too, or at least that they think, the power to be gained from the eleventh medal is to kill the immortal Lord Ruler. Yeah, like that's the entire reason why Kelsier has it. Is he's like, I'm gonna figure out how to use
1: this, and kill the Lord Ruler with it. Seems minorly important that is also like really integral if you don't know how to use it to be like i'm going <laughs> to kill him with this yeah i'm going to be like okay how are you going to do that i'll, I'll figure, figure it, it out. out you know i'm i'm curious why he
2: why he doesn't know though because it seems like this whole misborn thing it, the fact that he is a misborn seems to automatically give him this ability to just burn these metals and instantly get the power it doesn't so you, f- you feel a- like you a- could B- try it, right? To see what it does first. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he can whip out a little pickaxe, shave off a piece and eat it and see if uh see what happens when he burns it. But maybe that's just newbie me and it's way more complicated than that, but it, it seems like a very simple like well, go try some things. Right. Yeah, no, I have the same I have the same thought. What other terms? So this it's a I think these are mentioned in the body of the chapters, but also in the epigraphs, which we did not mention in the first ones, but they all tie together seemingly fairly logically. Two specific terms jumped out at me, ascension and deepness, and they seem to be referring to the Lord
0: Ruler. Okay, with with these terms,
2: It's somehow it's not real clear.
0: I think which, I think Vin uses specifically the term "deepness" in reference to the Lord Ruler. Like in her head, she's yeah. she's mentioning something about the Lord Ruler calling on the deepness to defend the world or something like that, and like that's what how he became God or something like that.
2: Yeah, something along those lines. Which now immediately makes me think that our epigraphs are somehow about the Lord Ruler. Okay. Or Do you want me to read them? By the Lord Ruler? Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, let me pull oh, it up yeah, real that's quick.
1: That's a good
0: idea, yeah. Any other terms you want to pull it up?
2: Looking back through my notes. Talked 11th Metal, we talked ATM. I guess while you're pulling that up, one gaping hole in my my notes here of our different metals, we were told there's eight basic metals, and we are given names for all of them. We were told that there's two high metals... Which are also important alimantic medals. ATM is one of them. Uh, ATM is one of them. ATM, okay. is, ATM is one of them. Okay. Specifically called the 10th. So we're missing the 9th, okay. I think. And then there's also now the 11th medal, which is just called the 11th medal. So I I have names for 10 out of the 11. I'm
0: missing one of them. Um. Let me read the epigraphs from the prologue to what are we chapter six Mm -hmm. all right yep uh they're a little bit length lengthy so grab your tea Mm -hmm. sometimes i worry that i'm not the hero everyone thinks i am the philosophers assure me that this is the time that the signs have been met but i still wonder if they have the wrong man so many people depend on me they say i will hold the future of the entire world in my arms What would they think if they knew that their champion, the hero of ages, their savior doubted himself? Perhaps they wouldn't be shocked at all. In a way, this is what worries me the most. Maybe in their hearts they wonder, just as I do. When they see me, do they see a liar? I consider myself to be a man of principle. But what man does not? Even the cutthroat, I have noticed, considers their actions moral. Perhaps another person reading of my life would name me a religious tyrant. He could call me arrogant. What is to make that man's opinion any less valid than my own? I guess it all comes down to one fact. In the end, I'm the one with the army. If men read these words, let them know that the power is a heavy burden. Seek not to be bound by its chains. The terrace prophecies say that I have power to save the world. They hint, however, that I have the power to destroy it as well. We arrived in Terrace earlier this week, and I have to say, I find the countryside beautiful. The great mountains to the north, with their bald snow-capped and forest mantles, stand like watchful gods over this land of green fertility. My own lands to the south are mostly flat. I think that they might look less dreary if there were a few mountains to vary the terrain the people here are mostly herdsmen though timber harvesters and farmers are not uncommon it is a past it is a pastoral land certainly it seems odd that a place so remarkably agrarian could have produced the prophecies and theologies upon which the entire world now relies apparently the next stage of my quest will take up take us up into the highlands of Terrace. This is said to be cold, unforgiving place, a land where the mountains themselves are made of ice. Our normal attendants will not do for such a trip. We should probably hire some terrace packmen to carry our gear. I don't even understand what I'm supposed to do. The terrace philosophers claim that I know my duty when the time comes, but that's a small comfort. The deepness must be destroyed, and apparently I'm the only one who can do so. It ravages the world even now. If I don't stop it soon, there will be nothing left on this land but bones and dust. I never wanted this, but somebody has to stop the deepness. And apparently, Terrace is the only place that can be done. On this fact, however, I don't have to take take the word of philosophers. I can feel our goal now, sense it, though the others can't. It pulses in my mind, far off in the mountains.
2: Definitely getting some vibes or similarities to some other cosmere characters that we've we've read about, which maybe we could talk about in our, our spoiler session at the end, but definitely seems like it could be referencing or written from the perspective of the Lord Ruler. Also seems like it's describing a world that is either not the world we're in now or the world we're in now prior to some apocalyptic event.
0: Yeah, I would agree. That at no He's point have we, at no point have we heard grass, fertile, snow. We we haven't heard any of those terms yet.
2: Yeah. And and maybe Scadrill is a big planet and this is maybe the other side of the planet, and we're just on the, the the dark, ashy side of the planet. But I I'm getting the impression that and I think maybe there's even a reference to it in here somewhere, that some kind of event happened that this beautiful world that he's describing is the pre-version and the ashy volcanic one we see now is a post version that's my theory okay
1: post what post
2: some kind of uh, i'm definitely leaning into you know apocalyptic event of some kind of some sort of i I don't even know something that completely changed the geography of this planet
0: and there does seem to be like lore and rumors and fairy tales about that type of thing because Vin references the lord ruler that way she she yeah. in her mind she's like he protected the world with the deepness or you know he fought yeah. off <laughs> something with the de- you know you know she 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 has those. Yeah. Fairy tales in her head that have obviously been passed around in the—I almost said economy. That's definitely not the right the word.
1: World, yeah, yeah. There's also the like to add to that. There's like, what is it? The Lord. The, it says that the Lord ruler like looked kindly upon their ancestors, right? And this is yeah. like further allusion to just kind of like a different way of life, a different even people um, in the yeah. past. So
0: we get an action sequence from Kelsier's point of view in chapter five. Um, And as we go through it, we get a nice like tutorial. If this were a video game, we'd get, I think you start, you start here to figure out all your powers (laughs) because Kelsier in, in his mind is spelling out everything he's doing, obviously for the reader. Um, He's like, now I'm using this power that lets me do this. And this guy will walk through the door. So now I'm going to do this. And, um he ends up jumping out a window with the safe and using the safe as a push off to not die and hey, he's got all sorts of different powers. Elliot, what'd you pick up? I it felt like a roller coaster. You know, both
2: both literally cause Helseers flying around everywhere, but then also just I, I felt like a bit of a of a jerk, almost almost in a good way, of I thought I understood what the magic system was gonna be. We've got you know manipulation of emotions and you know clouding and protecting others, but then all of a sudden Helsea starts throwing coins everywhere and bouncing off of walls and flying through the sky, and it's just like whoa, 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 like hold on a second. It was it was cool and like exhilarating to not expect that to yeah. just you know have him toss a coin off the roof and then jump after it and yeah, I'm expecting magic. It's it, it's Kelsey, who clearly has a ton of abilities. But then this whole like, I don't know this this concept of him, you know, chucking coins left and right and using them to to kind of Spider-Man his way through the city was was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I I go back to the GameCube video game Spider-Man Two, where you're swinging through the city, <laughs> and you know a any throwback. any any Spider-Man game you're swinging through the city. But I just imagine it upside down where you're like parabolaing mm-hmm. through the city as opposed to like oh yeah if you're swinging the parabolas Pop. like this and instead you're like parabola like this so I imagine the the physics being similar where you're getting a bunch of speed to start as you push off and then right at the top you're slowing down and then you're accelerating again so that's where my brain was it
1: well, was pretty cool a bit it
0: I I
2: couldn't help feeling though that Kelsey, or... yeah, I'm sure he's not, but it feels like he's wasting a lot of money, traveling, <laughs> throwing, throwing all of his coins left and right, and like, oh, I'm gonna go this way and that way, and and then oh, I need to take out that guy. I'm gonna shoot all my coins at him. Like these people, this is your money. Do they just have like tons and tons of money everywhere? Like could they, could they not like just use like I don't know little, like little...
1: chips or Lumps or something? Does it have to be coins? Well, they are. They are called aren't they called chips? Or that's a that's, that's
0: stormlight. A Whoops, right er, Got my currencies mixed
1: up. <laughs> There's like they're different. Yes, but boxing is like the biggest of them. There's like a bunch of different coins.
0: Uh, I have to remember back to the convention they gave us the. I
1: remember because the boxing is the biggest, yeah. bestest one. It's worth like a lot. It goes all the way down. To little bits, but but that's a good point, uh, Elliot. They're not very, uh, they're not very uh, financially, uh, cautious. I mean, mean,
2: maybe that's just the easiest way to get a big bag of small bits of metal is just coins, but it'd be it'd be a little more maybe cost effective to go, you know, gather up
0: just little scraps of of metal that that aren't coins. I mean, because. Because he's a misborn, you don't see him do it in this chapter. But because he's a misborn, if he can push it, he can pull it, right? Like in theory, he only needs like you know five or so to like push and pull, and like he can he can reuse said coins. But he's certainly not doing that in this chapter. He's just spraying coins everywhere. Yeah,
2: I don't. I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. It was a it was a cool chapter to to learn about the the magic and not just the physics of the magic system, but also how it affects combat. Yeah. And the whole idea is of like, well, if you're going to fight against a Mistborn, you better not be wearing metal armor and all the bad things that might happen to you if you are wearing metal armor when you go up against a Mistborn or a misting of that particular metal, I guess, manipulating powers. Uh,
0: what do you guys think of the phrase or... Kelsier, as he's killing a bunch of guards in Keep Venture. He uses the phrase, any man who upheld the final empire also forfeited his right to live. What do you guys think of that inner monologue?
2: So this brings me back to what I said last episode and I have no evidence to overturn this thought at all. I'm going to be very torn on Kelsir. He's he seems to be a hero. He seems to be a Robin Hood. He seems to be the guy who wants to save the day. But it is statements like that that push him in a very firmly gray area. It's if if he if he has that big of a of a chip on his shoulder, that big of a vendetta for revenge, or or even you know we we've talked about this. I guess I can't reference Stormlight stuff, can I? We've talked about this before on the podcast, <laughs> about characters who justify actions to, to reach an end, you know? And so the, this sounds a little bit encroaching on that kind of a territory for me of, you know, if if Kelsey is going to kind of draw sweeping statements like that of basically, I'm on a mission, and if you get my, in my way, I'm just fighting, killing you sort of thing. Yeah, great. Very gray. A lot of gray with Kelsier.
0: Yeah. A lot of gray in general. Which brings me back to a line that I certainly picked up this time and I did not think of before. But um, there's a line that Brandon Sanderson uses about the darkness over Luthadel. I think Kelsior's like musing to himself about day versus night on Skadriel. And he says ambient starlight diffused by mist was enough to see by at night and i thought that was really cool that the planet is like i i imagined like the planet being really dark during the day and so it's certainly like pitch black at night i don't even, i don't know if that's the case i think at night it might actually be like a full moon with like a blanket of snow on the floor, type of lighting, if you know if you can imagine that, where be, because there's no it, ambient starlight diffused by mist is enough to see by. That's some really, really bright stars, like that's some that's that's quite the, the Milky mm-hmm. Way going on there on Scadrial. Um, there's no so, light
1: pollution, right?
0: R- r- right, but for the most part, even yeah. without light pollution, you're not seeing by starlight, that's really like. True. So I, I would love to see a a mist-free starlit night on schedule. would be that'd be pretty cool just by that line. so I, I actually think nighttime is is decently well lit by that uh, um, by that line. so I thought that was pretty cool. There you go. hottest stargazer's destination in the cosmere schedule. Yeah, there we go. Without mist on it. You got to you got to get rid of it. Without the mist. mist. Correct. You yeah. got you to gotta you, get up on a mountain. Yeah, get up like yeah, like 100 feet or whatever.
1: Mhm.
0: Okay. Um, haze killers. We get on uh, we get a term called haze killers. They are the bo- like the royal guard in Keep Venture who are trained to fight mistings and mistborn. They specifically have armor on them that don't have any metal on them, so they can't so Kelsier can't throw them against the wall. Um because that one of the bodyguards walks in, or two bodyguards actually, walk in on Kelsier when he's opening the safe. He kills one of the guards instantly. The other bodyguard, his first move is to take his breastplate off. Um, which then Kelsier just throws a sword into him, but um then the haze killer shows up who have armor, but it's not metal. Um so there's like you said, Elliot, magic interacting with combat. There's specific class of guard that's trained to fight Kelsier and Kelsier equivalents.
2: And I I picked up on the nuances here too, at least I think I caught some of it. Kelsier is doing this very intentionally. He is attacking one of the great houses of the city. He is making it very obvious that he is a Yeah, He is wielding multiple abilities in full view of people, you know, not killing all the witnesses. He wants this to be a statement of a Mistborn attacked this house. And there were some interesting comments along the way
0: of how some of the great houses have Mistborn. Right. No one's going to assume this is a Ska attack because no Ska or right. Mistborn. Right. But they also talked about how you know, maybe a
2: nuclear war type thing, but the great houses don't usually use their misborn against each other because they don't want to just, you know, destroy everything. So there's kind of this agree there's a a treaty amongst all the great houses that they don't send their misborn to attack each other. Right. right? And so by Kelsey are doing this. It's a huge statement of, oh my gosh, who just sent their misborn to go attack house venture. This is a big deal.
0: They're all going to be talking about it at the parties, which we talked about here in Chapter 6. Anything else? There was one, five? one more thing. And I
2: wanted to, to, to emphasize this and get your, your thoughts, which you won't be able to share with me. Specifically because you guys, at least Paul, I'm sure, is audiobooking. We've had a couple of references to the fact that Kelsey has not always been misborn. And I think the in- implication is that Vin has always been misborn. She's talked before about how, the oh, I've just always had this ability. Right. And, but Kelsier specifically has not always had his misborn abilities. Right. Through his experience in the pits of Hatsin, if I'm pronouncing that remotely mm-hmm. close. You are. He somehow survived torture, made it out, was was broken down to the point of something, and somehow emerges from this with misborn powers. And there's a specific term they use. They say that Kelsier has snapped. Snapped. Capitalized. Yeah. And I've learned now, I've read enough Sanderson, to maybe not read too much into that, it could just be a, hey, I'm going to draw your attention to this word, it's important, as opposed to, oh my gosh, it's a whole magic system and he snapped and that means X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to jump down that train just yet. But snapped is more important than it might otherwise be, somehow.
0: I definitely have a response to this in the Stormlight section, so hold on. <laughs>
1: oh. Ooh. 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 As far as this, though, that's actually a really, really, I would say, clever thought to, to pick up on, Elliot. I had no concern or mention about that, um, especially reading for the first time. It was like, especially if you take out like Cosmere knowledge, it's like, we know Mistings are rare and they're kind of from birth. I never picked up on that, that um, how was alluded to have not always been a misborn. Um and so yeah i i I didn't have anything to think about that honestly i'm I'm very
2: intrigued now by this snapping process like what what has
0: what has happened to him I had to take stormlight section notes on my hand so that I remember to bring them up later you what, you, you do realize you have a hood on your computer hand last time i do i do have a second monitor with the outline that you're talking about. Right there, but I okay. prefer to write on my hint.
1: I actually yeah. run the risk, this is a total side note, I run the risk every time of like posting things in our Discord by accident, like my two words for every episode. Oh, yeah. I will type in the, the bar of Discord and then just try to not hit enter. Until later. If not, it would just be like. I have
0: a second burner Discord account just to do that type of thing. Like, oh, yeah. Tr- put notes in. I will DM that Discord account, notes that I don't want anyone else to see.
1: Like, I just That's leave like... it in the bar and don't send it or delete it. And so sometimes i will open up Discord and be like, whoa, death and destruction. What was this? What, <laughs> chap- what episode was this from? Yeah. That's pretty funny.
0: <laughs> All right. Chapter six. They sit down and map out the plan. The plan. Um, they. Kelsey's got a, either a black chalkboard or a whiteboard or something like that that he's got behind him, and he's just writing down a bunch of terms. And they're talking about how inconsequential they are compared to the Lord Ruler and Luthadel and all that. And Kelsey's just casually just like, yep, you're right, and keeps writing stuff on the board. And Vin vin about halfway through realizes wait there's they're actually serious about this they're not like i vin thought this whole time they were just like gonna scam each other like they they were just kelsey was just gonna bring all these guys in and then steal their money and then ditch and then halfway through this meeting she's like why are they still talking about this what like can't we just we we just got paid why can't we just go wait we're actually doing this so what would you guys think of this scene
2: i i really enjoyed this scene i thought it was fun just because this is something that that i do sometimes where i'm just like ideas lots of them where's a whiteboard and just start kind of spewing them onto the the whiteboard so i i related to Kelsey here in this moment of kind of writing everything up i related to it so much so that I had to take a shot at recreating
0: Recreating the whiteboard. I thought about doing this. I thought that was going to be too much work, but if you did it, perfect.
2: I, I have, I have done it. Go ahead, gentlemen, and and open up your, your picture that I sent you. And and Trevor, I'm sure you can show this up on our, for our YouTube viewers. Uh, I, I followed
0: exactly what it
2: says in the chapter. The, The chapter tells you exactly what, Kelsey is writing on the chalkboard. It even sometimes tells you where on the chalkboard he's writing it and kind of what is next to what. So I tried to, as faithfully as I could, regurgitate what the text was telling me. And I found it kind of nice because as I was reading this chapter, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to take notes on all this. I'm going to have to figure out what all this plan is so I can talk about it. I don't even have to because Kelsey already did it for me. He already took all the notes. All I have to do is recreate his notes. So here you go. Here's the plan.
1: That was actually really cool that you did this way. I think this yeah, is awesome. awesome. Um, How did
0: you... Wh- question, what font did you use for whiteboard chalk? I have been looking for this type of font for years. I cannot find it. I-
2: I'm sure I can look it up. I, I don't know. I just used uh, the the Google version of, of PowerPoint, and I tried like six different fonts, and this one looked good, so I
1: did. Fair, fair enough. enough. Anyways, about this, oh. I, I'm glad you laid this out. So it, they have very, very lofty goals, I would say, and that's the whole thing. Yes. Everyone is like, "You're crazy. We can't do that." You know, we can't basically overthrow the empire. There's like seven of us or something like that. I don't actually know how many there are, but there's just a couple of them. Um,
0: I I do I, think it's funny, like visually looking at this gives way more like, weight to all of the characters' reactions to it in the book. Like, you you, you go through each of their reactions, and you're like, okay, yeah, ha-ha, funny. Vin is, like, super intimidated. Kelsey doesn't care. Ham is intimidated, but he's willing to do it. Like, looking at this list and just seeing ATM secure treasury and there's zero, like, input to it, like, yep. that's just something they need to do and they have no idea how they're going to do it but they just wrote it up on the board or like lord ruler just writing lord ruler on the board and not putting any input past that that's (laughs) really funny actually that that was my first takeaway as well as soon
2: as i wrote this up i didn't quite pick up on it just from reading it and then when i put all together i was like yeah they completely missed a few of fairly important things like yeah they got all hung up on some bitty some pretty big problems they're gonna have to solve and then they didn't even
0: get to the other three big problems that they still have to solve that's pretty funny but i love this this is like even even maybe even better than your other graphics that you've created for the podcast which i can <laughs> reference later um i think this one might be my favorite this is a good one
2: it's really cool. It, I, this I,
1: is my latest I, attempt to. to... Yeah, go ahead, Paul. I have I have a question for Elliot. Uh, of, so with this plan, right? This is what I've been most excited to talk about, honestly. With this plan, how is it going to go? What's going to work? What's not going to work? Are we going to lose characters? Like, what what are kind of the out there predictions you have? Like early on, before anything has really been set in motion, we've just seen the plan what to do are they going to succeed are they going to fail
0: what's the time frame as well are they going to see it in
1: book oh, three
0: are they going to succeed in oh, oh, like era yeah. two like what What are we talking about
1: it is like okay i, I have seen time frame if they do say they have like a year or whatever right I, i'm right, talking so page that, count. that that makes way more sense yeah <laughs> i was like it's right there a year come on trevor did you read i'm i'm gonna i'm
2: gonna meta think this and answer your question and maybe not the way you, you want me to. I'm going to use my knowledge that this is one of the earlier books that Brandon Sanderson has written in his series and not one of his later books. I would give you a completely different answer if you told me that he'd written and published eight other Cosmere novels before this. one. If that was the case, based on what I've seen Sanderson do, I would probably tell you that half of this stuff is not even going to happen. We're not even going to get to all this because something big is going to come and that changes the entire game and makes all of this irrelevant. That's what I would expect out of Sanderson. However, because this is one of his earlier novels, and this is, you know, him establishing his world of the Cosmere, I am going to stick my neck out and maybe regret it later that... We're going to get a slightly more straightforward story in this book than we may have seen elsewhere. And so I think we will see some kind of resolution on this plan in this book. I think that we will either the characters will succeed or fail in like the general intent here before the end of this book. There might have to be some kind of a time skip in here since it is set a year away from where we are now. I'm fully expecting we're gonna keep going a little bit further, and then say, and then six months later we pick up with you know Ben marching with the army into you know Luthadel, something like that. So I think I think it's gonna be fairly, fairly straightforward. We're gonna see a lot of these events. I think, of course, it's not gonna go the way they're planning it. It wouldn't be a story if it did. So there's gonna be some kinds of surprises. I think the Lord Ruler is probably gonna be a source of a lot of those surprises based on my suspicion that I was talking about last season, season, episode, last episode. Something is very off about the Lord Ruler. I don't know what yet, but something is. We're going to get a surprise in that sense. Um, Oh, there was made reference before about the fact that when Kelsier was caught the first time, he was betrayed by someone. That was made very clear. That when Kelsier was caught and sent to the pits, pits of Hathson, he was betrayed. Yep. And that has not been revisited or given any reference that I caught of who did the betraying. And so I think that betrayer is going to enter the story if they're not already in the story. And we're going to get some sort of maybe attempt at betrayal again by either someone on the crew or someone close to the crew think that's all the thoughts I have. Does that answer your question?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. My only other question with that is do you think do you think anyone is gonna die?
2: Ooh. Another question that I'm almost forced to, to brand in meta, which I can't because it would spoil things, I suppose.
1: I will interject you, a little bit. You can bit. revisit oh, it later. Yeah, yeah oh, of course. Um it is like I I, I thought about this while re that our characters are really crucial. They have, like, the the mistings, right? Like, their roles are really crucial to, like, the team overall. Like, if you lose your thug, right, like, how do you fight people? for, for if, Like, essentially, like, what do you do in those scenarios? Like, you're just all normal people in the, like, now hand-on-hand, like, physical strength aspect. Like, Like, characters are really crucial in their, like, roles. And so I thought about that. If there's a lot of weight, if any, if anyone leaves, gets caught, gets captured, or gets killed, like there's a lot of weight to to what the characters are going to have to do because you have one of them. You do have like two misborn, which is kind of cheating, but like you know. <laughs> but but like aside from that, you know.
2: I I didn't think about that necessarily. The importance of all of our cogs in the wheel here. Because we almost have like a a rock, paper, scissors system going on where you need certain abilities to counter certain other abilities that your enemies are going to have. And if you lose one of your abilities, now you're weak to a very specific other ability. And if your enemy figures that out, then, oh, you're dead. So you're absolutely right. To answer your previous question, is someone going to die? I think the short answer I'm going to give you is that of the people in this room, in this scene in Chapter 6, all
0: of them will live to the end of this book. Okay. Good prediction. One other thing that I want to bring up before we get to our Stormlight spoilers. Um, it's kind of tacked on at the end, but it's like, we need somebody to go spy on the nobles for us. And they kind of go around the room. And they're like, no, this guy knows me. I can't show up in these circles. Uh no, I, I can't do it because of this reason. And everybody, like, has their excuse. And then everybody kind of turns to Vin, who's just hanging out. And Kelsey says, how about you? Like, do you want to go infiltrate some noble parties for us? She goes, uh, n- uh, Kelsey's like, all right, great. And then writes her up on the board. And they just write Vin infiltration on the board uh, of Great house parties and plans. And that's how it. chapter six ends.
2: I love that, actually. I love that Kelsier looks at Vin and says, you know what? I don't know you, but I see potential in you. Here's a really big task and a lot of responsibility that is going to be key to my huge plan that I've spent months, maybe years planning, and I'm going to trust you with it. Like, that's big.
1: Really big. It is, and I. This is what got me really curious as well. Is just how is that gonna go? Like, Vin is yeah. like doesn't trust anyone. Is like grown up on the streets. Basically, what's she gonna do at like a like regal ball? You know, like like a a court thing. Like I, I don't know what what what's gonna happen. And so it, I got really excited to just see what. What's going to happen? Her interacting with nobles.
2: I'm assuming we're going to have to get like a, a training montage of breeze coaching Vin through all of the, here's how you pass yourself off as a noble, you know, yeah. cue dramatic music and Vin making all the mistakes and getting your knuckles wrapped. And then eventually learning how to do it and becoming an expert. Cause breeze coaches are through
0: it all. You, you've seen it before. Yeah. Also good prediction.
1: Yeah. Before we move on, I have a question. Don't we have another character that should be on our on your spreadsheet, Trevor? Do did we? Didn't did did we meet didn't we meet Marsh? Did Marsh walk in? I th- maybe he did. He, we, we we've heard mention of him at least. I thought he did. We we've definitely He
0: walks in the door at like the last paragraph of the chapter. Yeah. Okay. He, he's not he's not on the team yet. So okay. I didn't okay. add him. Okay. Yes, he's certainly been mentioned and
1: they talked I, about him a bit. So, I, in my head, he was Yeah.
0: He's certainly been mentioned. He's he's under Kelsier's little box here, but I haven't put him on the TV yet. All right. Stormlight. Spoilers commencing now. If if you want need if you haven't read Stormlight, go away. Thank you for listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or if you really want to get spoiled on Stormlight things, then this is the spot for you.
0: Okay. I, I'll, I'll talk about what's actually on the outline here in a second. Going back to this other point that Elliot asked, do you remember your question about capital letter word? Snapped. Yes. Okay. So you made a point that Vin has said that she, she's always kind of had her luck. She didn't really know what it was, but there was no like event, right? That triggered right. her, her misbornness. But Kelsier, assuming he's a reliable narrator, um, says there "There was absolutely a point where I had my Mistborn Awakening. Like, maybe he was like a Misting before, and then he got all the powers, or maybe he wasn't anything before. You know, he's like, when I was in the Pits of Path Sin, I figured out how to use all of my Mistborn powers, like right then. Is there any... Is there anybody else in the Cosmere who's trying to snap people into magic?
2: I mean, we've got the Shalon... Well, kind of sort of tangentially Shalon, but the... Well... Okay, so there are a few options here. I guess we've got our um, Sons of Honor... Okay. ...who are are trying to cause... Magical events to happen, like Amram. Yep, is trying to like get stuff to happen to bring back the. Oh goodness, having to dig deep in the memory banks here now.
1: (laughs) Hold Hold up a second. (laughs) This
2: is early words uh, of radiance that we're talking about right uh, now. I know. Um, I'm about to talk about early wave kings. Bring bringing void bringers back. Um, the the other thing I'm thinking of, which is kind of a different flavor of of that approach, is like Teft's past. And the whole folks that are trying to put people in harm's way to force yeah. them to to achieve powers.
0: So, the Envisagers is what you're talking about. That is 100% yes. where my brain went when you just said, snapped with capital S. Kelsier, oh. his whole story has a huge reputation, right? Everybody knows who Kelsier is. He went to the Pits of He's the survivor. Yeah. Headcanon. Invisagers originate on Skadrial. Hear this story, ah. and then they're like, "Once we get, you know, a couple hundred. This is hundreds of years before Stormlight, for for, for your reference. Yeah, that tale gets passed down. If you get a, under enough pressure, you get magic powers. Let's try it on Roshar. Right? That's not too. That's not that big of a bunny trail, right? Like let if you if you're put under enough stress, you get magic powers. Well let's try it. Just throw this guy off a cliff, see if he lives. Right. Like that that's not that that's my headcanon at least is envisagers originate from Skadriel from this story of snapping in the pits of Heth I like it. Yeah, I mean, makes
1: it perfect makes perfect sense. sense. Yeah, it makes it makes sense.
0: So I wonder if we I, could be on the lookout for like early envisager cults. Or something like that,
1: or or
2: even just like tracing ties between Scadrial and Roshar, yeah. like that would be that would be a potential line or link you could trace. Of if that's true, then the story of Kelsier, or someone who witnessed the story of Kelsier, traveled or passed that information to Roshar, and the invigil envisor- were like, "Oh yeah, we can do that." I'm I'm still wondering if the snapped thing is going to be something more specific, right? That snapped is not just I reached my breaking point from uh, from torture. It's going to be like I my soul split out from my body and went to Shadesmar for a moment, and then I got lots of powers, and then I came back, and
0: now I'm a misborn. Something like that, or there's uh, what are they called? The magic pools that you can go to Shadesmar in. Perpendicularity, okay. um, wow. maybe maybe there's perpendicularity in the pits of Hathsin. Ooh. He shows up Ooh. at the bottom of the mine, and there's this pool, jumps in, comes wow. back out.
1: Maybe I think if that were the case, I mean there there's a lot we don't know about the pits of Hathsin, but. I feel like if that were the case, someone else would have found it too. Well, you the Lord Ruler's powers, pretty secretive you know, about it. He he is. And, but like, you know, but they're all just at the bottom, like they're at the bottom of this thing. So I, I mean it sounds like it, at least the pits of Hath Sin. Maybe it's not so but, much, but...
2: but But think about it. This this ties back to our discussion about where's the investiture. We know that the, the ATM comes out of the pits of Hath Sin. And the ATM appears to be a more powerful version, maybe, of some of our other allomantic metals. Maybe maybe there is a perpendicularity in these pits and it's giving ATM these specific powers of whatever shard is associated with this um with this perpendicularity, and that's why it only comes from that one location.
0: Yeah. Maybe. I like that a lot. I genuinely don't know. I don't remember if this is a rabbit trail or if this is true. I like it. I'm following. Less bigger implications. Um, I feel like so far in the first six chapters of Mistborn, obviously this book was written sooner than Stormlight was. I feel like this story is way more self-contained. Like, Elliot, you were saying, like it's going to be a way more linear story than maybe the Way of Kings is. Even though Way of Kings is fairly linear as well, you still have Shallan over here thousands of miles away expanding your mind to the world. If it's just Kaladin, then you're you're not thinking about Roshar, you're just thinking of the Shattered Plains. Because Shallan is in the story, you're thinking more about Roshar, you're getting introduced to these more thoughts of the planet and the implications of the Voidbringers and stuff like that. Um, whereas in this... Story We're six chapters in, which you know is not a whole lot, but we're six chapters in. We, I feel like we've barely moved three miles. Like, we had that the prologue off in some other town, but that's the only geographical distance we've traveled. We've been in the same hideout for six, like, you know, you get it. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was just making that observation that Mistborn is way way straighter of a path and and i think that might be very
2: logical and even really smart as an author is if you're if you're an established name and you've built up some rapport with your fan base or even built a reputation as wow brandon sanderson writes really good things you should read them that that gives people a reason to pick up a ridiculously huge book like Way of Kings and have it ramble a fair amount through the first half.
1: <laughs> right. People
2: stick with it yeah. because they trust that Brandon's taking them somewhere. When Brandon first was starting out, maybe in the time he's writing this book, if he tried something like that right off the bat, it might have ended poorly. If people didn't have a little bit of you know trust in him as an author of oh, it's going to ramble, but the journey's going to be worth it. Here in Mistborn, maybe it's a strategy of, this is going to be a little more straightforward so that I don't lose you as a reader, so that I build up that trust that I've got an awesome Sander Lynch waiting for you. At the end, it's going to be worth your time so that later on he can go right Wave of Kings.
0: Right. And that is how it turns out. He writes Wave of Kings. Nobody wants to publish it. Finally publishes Elantris gets misborn and then goes back for the way of kings because he's like this is what I actually want to publish I'll write your I'll write your bite size first and then I'll write this
2: which is exactly how like Tolkien did things as well he had this ridiculously huge rambling detail oriented universe that he imagined and publishers were like no way dude we can't publish that go write me a short story about an adventure and we'll start there and that's exactly what he did and it worked out pretty well for him too
1: Anything else? What does that mean that this is the Hobbit to Stormlight's? Lord I think that the is the,
2: the metaphor I just
0: made. Is... I I think the metaphor you're making is a lantris is the Hobbit to Stormlight being the Lord okay. of the Rings. But because because making I'm actually... making that parallel to Mistborn is a little bit more well
2: i'm trying to say that the way of kings is the silmarillion actually yes that's th- so that's more accurate Mist- i think mistborn becomes your lord of the rings yes and Elantris becomes your hobbit i'm
0: way more on track with that, that. yeah i'm way more on track with that and what is warbreaker i'm kidding i'm kidding leaf by niggle uh, <laughs> yes yes was about to <laughs> on be the same. on fairy stories uh just a some some random
1: yeah anyway. side notes yeah Children Submit
2: of here Anyway, we better stop spouting random Tolkien facts and <laughs> close out our Brandon Sanderson podcast episode.
0: Yes. Yeah. Anything else, gentlemen? Nope. Great talk. I'm loving it already. Sounds good. We can reconvene next week.
1: Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Mm-hmm. Asta luego. Good loo.